podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode of Monday Lynch Time. Ladies and gents, what a week it's been for some glorious reasons, football-wise, with some tragedies off the field as well. And here to join me to talk through it all, delighted to say as normal, is the renowned and respected David Lynch. David, how are we? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Good to, good to be back on the, on a Monday as well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as the Reds take another three points. I mean, literally, I remember the last time a week ago, we said, hopefully we were here and saying, you know, we just kept winning. The machine kept ticking along, so to speak. And that is fingers crossed what's happening and long may it continue. I mean, we, we've got to talk about the, the Forest game yesterday. There was almost a a clinical efficiency, I saw someone put it as Twitter. There's a clean sheet, three different goal scorers. So much to be positive about. I mean, honestly, how did you actually assess the performance overall? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved it, to be honest. I just thought Liverpool were just so, so dominant from start to finish. And I think, you know, it's it's kind of easy to forget, isn't it, that against Nottingham Forest last season, Liverpool really struggled. So, you know, they, they, they lose 1-0 away from home at Forest and that's one of the early signs that things really are going to be, it's going to be a tough season. And then also, you know, when Forest come to Anfield, Liverpool just sort of slightly scrape it, don't they? It's a, a 3-2 win in the end and I think quite a close game actually where, where Forest threatened quite a lot through it. So, you know, the, the the difference really in terms of, you know, how much the performance level had stepped up from Liverpool, I think, you know, 73% possession, I think it is. They have 21 shots. Nottingham Forest managed one shot on target across the game. So that is just utter dominance across 90 minutes. Um, and I, I just think a really, really, you know, just a really good sign that Liverpool are, are firmly back on track now, just the ease with which they swatted Nottingham Forest aside because they were not doing things like that last season. Um, They they just look so controlled, um, so strong at the back, so deadly in attack, and obviously they've got options to change things off the bench as well. So just looks like a really, really balanced, really, really good football team at the moment, particularly in Sunday's game. And I think, you know, the only question you've got left really about what happens next is, you know, is this a team that challenges for the top four or a team that challenges for the title? And I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll get the answer to that over the, the coming weeks and months. Yeah, absolutely. There's some some big fixtures coming up on the horizon by the end of the year and some eminently winnable, I'd say, games are on paper at the same time. But we know the league never translates that way. And like you said, it was just so controlled there was utter dominance and I'm almost asking you this because in a, in a great way, and I mean that, there's so, so many options here, but who were the kind of standout players for you and if a man of the match for yourself as well? 
Yeah, it is, it is a tough one because I think there was so much, so many high level performances across the pitch. So it's kind of hard to pick people out. But I think the ones who I sort of particularly focused on is probably one, one, one up front, one in midfield and, and one in defense, really. I think in defense, you, you've got to talk about Virgil van Dijk, haven't you? I just think he's, he just looks firmly back to his best. I think it's, it's no coincidence that he's showing the form he is and that, and that the team as a whole is. I mean, I spoke about Liverpool controlling Nottingham Forest and I thought they did that really well. But it was also if they did get in at the back line or, or, or tried to cause any threat by going long or going in behind, Virgil van Dijk was there to clear it up. And I just thought he, he was magnificent in terms of his defensive contributions. And also he's, he's spraying those passes left, right and centre again and, and just looks confident and, and really back to his best. Um, further forward in, in midfield, I'd say Dominic Sobers lie. I'm, I'm getting almost sort of... I don't. I don't focus on him a lot when I do my sort of post match video. Yeah. But it's it's not fair, really. It's because he's just he's just made that level of excellence just so normal now, and it is so early in his Liverpool career. But I'm just so used to him being brilliant. But the fact you know he sets two goals up, he's just he's just the creative hub of this team, isn't he? You know everything runs through him, um, which I think is part of the reason actually why you know maybe Trent Alexander Arnold's assist numbers are going down. I think. So much of the team, and this is similar for everyone, really, is, is deferring to Sobers line in the creative, uh, in the final third, and and, and looking to create yeah. things. I just thought he was absolutely brilliant on that. Again, uh, run, you know, runs himself into the ground again as well in terms of his defensive work. He's just a, he's just world class, uh, unbelievable footballer. Um, and, and the third one I wanted to talk about as well is is Darwin Nunez. Um, obviously, he, he, he gets his goal, but I just think it's just every element of his. his Play has just gone up a level this season. I just love watching him. I just think he's doing, he's doing so well in terms of, um, you know, just his, his contributions in build up, his pressing has come on a million times. And also, you know, the fact he, he's just getting the goals now. He's getting the goals. He's getting the assists. He's, he's putting up the numbers and just really, really enjoying watching him play. And I just think that spine of the team there have listed those three players is so strong. And, 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 and you know, when you've got a spine that, they, that is that good, then you're going to have a fo- good football team. And, and that's what Liverpool have got at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was so, so good to watch at times, even the the goals, the team moves. And maybe in, in a great way, scarily, it kind of felt like they still almost did it in third gear at times, even second gear, potentially. It was really so good to watch. It was, like you said, Utterly dominant at a controlled performance. And I, I do want to speak about this bit because for all the the sort of joy around the performance yesterday, it's got to be, be tempered with, obviously, the, the news that broke in the early hours around Luis Diaz and Luis Diaz's parents specifically. I mean, it's a, it's a tragic situation, obviously. Even, I suppose, even now, we're still waiting for any updates, you know, news that, that may come through. I mean... What's your sort of, if you have any latest on this at all that we can offer? Yeah, I think I, I think really that that nothing's really moved since Jurgen spoke about it yesterday in his, his press conference after the match, but said obviously that that, that Luis Diaz's mother is is safe, but the situation around his his father is is ongoing, unfortunately, and and we're just you know hanging in there waiting for news, hoping it's it's good news and some good news can come out of this. Um, but yeah, just a, a horrendous situation. The player. Himself has, has flown back to Colombia, so we know he's there to to be close to his family and and yeah, like I say, just just hoping for a positive update that can come soon because obviously when that situation first broke, it's his mother and his father have both been kidnapped. The fact that he's got his mother back is is, is encouraging. It, it shows that hopefully yeah. something can move on this and 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 I just yeah, I just hope he, he can get his father back, you know, safe and sound. It's just a a truly horrible situation. 
Yeah, it really is. And thought, thoughts and prayers with everyone in the, the Diaz family, as it were. So fingers crossed with everything. Yeah, we get some positive update on that. And it's interesting because I know you, I did want to ask you about this player because I know you did a bit on your YouTube straight after as well from the game. It's we, we said people that we'd always focus on a player a week. We talked Harvey Elliott in depth last week and this one I really wanted to talk about. And it seems perfect timing almost with the week he's had. Darwin Nunes, I mean, back-to-back goals. And as you know, as you'll hear every week, a crowd favourite. Almost whatever he does, it seems at times, the crowd favourite, the chance of Nunes, Nunes ring round. I mean, from honest thoughts on him for this season, is he almost, is he going well beyond what you thought he would? Or is this where you thought he could get to with a bit of luck type of thing? I, th- I think we all sort of thought he would, he, he, you know, he'd shown signs in that first season that he would get to this because, you know, he would, he was missing chances, wasn't he? And, 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 but getting in the positions constantly, he was ending games with five shots to his name. And if you, if you consistently do that as a striker, even if you're missing the chances, you know, it, it's the easiest shout in football that you, you're going to end up scoring because players who get opportunities at that rate, the end that, you know, the finishing gods tend to, to side with them eventually. And then, you know, then they sort of, reach a new level and I think that that's something we see with Nunes is that things are evening out on that front for him and and, and and chances are going in but he's he's still he's still getting the opportunities constantly which was always you know always that facet of his game that was was hugely encouraging I think the the, the one thing I, I love about him is and, and I've mentioned this early in the podcast really is the fact that he's come on so much in terms of his contribution in pressing and also build up play as well because they were they were real weaknesses to his game although he was getting those chances I still thought you know Yes, he's he's always going to be a chance magnet. The finishing's probably going to even up at some point, so he's always going to be a goal scorer. But can he be Liverpool's starting centre forward, or is he going to be almost a, a Divock Origi type, just stronger off the bench, gets a goal late in games when Liverpool need it, adds that extra threat? You know, he wasn't offered offering as much as a, a rounded centre forward as Cody Gakpo for me, who I thought was magnificent from the moment he he joined the club. Um, you know, the comparisons between him and Darwin Nunes were really sort of unfavourable to Nunes, I thought, in that early part. But what's happened is, 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 is as I say, Nunes has developed all aspects of his game and he, he really is looking to me now like a complete centre forward. And I think, you know, he, he's just he's just playing brilliantly well. And I think it also is, is surely helpful to him that he's feeling that love from the crowd. I mean, he, he misses the chance, doesn't he, late on against Toulouse and, and grabbing the... Yeah. And I think the, the crowd is singing Nunez's name despite that. And and almost rightly so, though, because it was it was a brilliant piece of play in the build-up. It was it was I think someone else has said this before, but I think it, it really did remind Fernando Torres at his peak. And I think there's a, a, a bit of that at Nunez, you know, a lot of Torres about him actually in terms of can look clumsy at times, but he's, you know, gets chances and he scores goals. And I think, you know, there's still that sort of element of worry about the fact that okay well he he, did, he does miss that sitter against Toulouse he's, he, he has missed chances so far this season he's keeping that up even though he's playing well and he's confident but I think you know we, we don't watch Erling Haaland week in week out a lot of us I suppose you know I, I don't get time to watch every game I suppose that, that won't be true of everyone who's listening but a lot of people but you know, you'd be sort of surprised how many chances he misses and, and chances that you think a player of his quality should be putting away. And I think, you know, he is the benchmark at the moment for centre forwards because of the ridiculous numbers he puts up. But he he is capable of missing chances and easy ones and and all centre forwards are going to do that. So we're, we're maybe never going to see Darwin Nunes completely stamp that out of his game. But I think if he keeps contributing in the way he is, which is 
scoring a lot of goals. He is, he is, you know, starting to put that up, assisting a lot of goals, and also, like I say, pressing well and, and and contributing really nicely in build up. Then I think you know you could not ask much more from him. I think this has been a really good week for him. And just hope he, he can keep it up because for me, he, he has to be the starting centre forward now because he, he, he deserves to, to hold on to that role. Yeah, it, absolutely. Hard to argue with any of that. I mean, you mentioned there about the, the press and the defensive work. Jurgen Klopp said it has been numerous times that the passport into this side, the forward line, will always be counter-pressing. Even like you said, it doesn't matter what he misses. Even the um, the sitter against Union SG from the, the Salah pass, the, the crowd will chant and he comes back almost stronger each time. And that link up with Salah literally is, it seems insane. Like the, the numbers they're putting up together at the moment. I mean, it, I think it's right to, as many people will see him, he is a starter. He is a crowd favourite. Do you almost honestly look at the forward line, David, and go, if, if everyone's fixed, I know we're going to talk, we could talk competitions, rotations, five options, etc. But if it's a big game and everyone's fit, is it, Salah, Nunes, and one other for you? Yeah, I, I think it has to be. And I think on the strength of the start of this season, you would say Luis Diaz would be the one on that left-hand side to make that sort of the the big game front three almost. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think it has to be Nunes at the moment just because of the, you know, he's he's been in this form really since pre-season. You know, he was putting up some good yeah. numbers there in terms of his goal scoring and looking a lot better in terms of his overall contributions to the team. And I think... You know, you talk about his link with Salah there, and I think that's always quite instructive. We we know Salah is an absolutely world class centre forward, and the fact that he obviously links well with Nunes, I think that bodes well for Nunes in terms of what it says about him as a footballer. I think you know when you put, for example, Steven Gerrard and Fernando Torres on the pitch together, they just had this almost instant sort of telepathic connection, and and that's because it's two footballers operating at the the, the sort of very peak of the powers. You know, yeah. They're playing at a higher level almost. And I think the fact that Salah sees that in Nunes, that, that their movement really dovetails nicely together and that they're so good at picking each other out. I just think it says a lot about Nunes that he can, you know, that he is in that company and that a player of Salah's quality links so nicely with him. It says a lot about how good his movement is um, and the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's getting better as well at, at getting his head up and picking out the passes himself for Salah's movement. They really do understand each other. Maybe that's because... You know, they run behind in similar ways. They, they, they know how to get themselves into goal scoring positions. That is a skill in and of itself. And I think they've both, they've both got that. And I think that's why it's so much easier for both of them when they've got the ball. They're thinking, well, I know what I'd be doing right now. I know where my movement would be, where, how I would be going in behind the defensive line, which, which angle I would be running at. And that, that makes it easy to almost play the, the blind passing behind and, and you know, someone's going to be on the end of it. And I think that's what's happening with those two. And, uh, yeah, long may it continue because they, they, that partnership is, is one of the sort of biggest facets of Liverpool's attack at the moment. And it is really, really working. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I saw the, uh, a few stat sites that put them out. It really does rival anything in the Premier League. The sort of Watkins and Diaby partnership at Villa, Harland Alvarez, so to speak, at City as well. So yeah, like you said long may it continue with that one and for Nunes especially and we did say we'd uh, we'd drop a few things in listeners so thank you for sending your questions in for David sort of and some are literally coming right up to recording deadline so we have got a couple of questions for you from our normal listeners subscribers David just around especially this week in the midfield situation going forward so a reoccurring question that came up was Talking about Gravenberg and obviously his performance against 
to lose, how good that was on the back of the derby. But then, as a few people almost suggested it, it wasn't his finest performance. He wasn't bad by any means, but maybe outshone slightly by the other two. So there's been a, a bit of a debate on the Discord this morning. So the question it kind of leads to for you, who are your first choice starting midfield three right now? Yeah, well, I, th- I think Sobers, Lai and McAllister, I think you just have to say that they, they are the ones, aren't they, in terms of the, you know, two out of the three there. I just don't think there's any debate at the moment. I think Endo's sort of, he's trying to make a case, isn't he, to, to maybe come into that midfield, the, the, the holding role, and maybe there will be games where, where the manager thinks he, he's better suited. But I think for now, McAllister, you know, he's not perfect on the defensive side of things, but I thought a really, really good performance from him at the weekend and, and, and sort of making the case that he can be that person in the in the defensive midfield role. And Sobers like, there's just no debate whatsoever. He's, he's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Football and he has to he has to start every game that he's fit for in the in the the big competitions. Um, so I suppose the, the debate really is that left sided number eight. And I, I think you know Gravenberg. I, I, I've been all really surprised to be honest actually by how quickly he's adapted and and how quickly he's he's really showing sort of the best of himself. Um, you know I, I thought it was a a bit of a, a punt signing really a low cost. You know, there's some element of risk to it because it didn't work yeah. out for him at Bayern, and I, I just can't believe already they must be kicking themselves that they, they weren't giving this guy games. He's he's ridiculous. You know, I think you know, there's been a, a slight discrepancy between his sort of Europa League and League Cup performances versus when he's been in the Premier League. He, he, you know, in the Europa League and the, the League Cup, he's almost coming up against opposition and saying, "I've sat miles too good for this," and, and just. You know, utterly outstanding. I thought it was phenomenal against Toulouse. Just it almost, you know, taking the mick out of their defence at times by just running through the midfield and, and and beating players and shrugging them off. He's so powerful with his running, but so good with his feet as well. Um, you know, not quite as effective in the Premier League in terms of can't be quite as dominant because it's you know yeah. it's, it's tougher, isn't it? It's a step up. But still, I still felt really good against Nottingham Forest, you know, in terms of just being steady and being that presence in much the way that Curtis Jones had been, just bringing a balance to the midfield. And I thought the midfield balance was perfect. And that was something I was, I was worried about when, when Jones got his suspension is whether that would be sent off kilter a little bit by the fact that you were replacing a player who'd been so integral by, you know, with a, with a new signing. But I thought Gravenberg has been absolutely brilliant and, and full credit to him. So I think, you know, in terms of, that first choice front three, that that's the big choice, isn't it? Jones versus Gravenberg. And for me, at the moment, I think, you know, Jurgen Klopp's shown himself to to be a manager who, you know, if, if someone's got the shirt and they're playing well, he doesn't like to take it away from them. Um so for me, I think at the moment, even though Jones is is going to be back from that suspension soon, I think you have to keep with Gravenberg at the moment and, and until he sort of has a struggle or or maybe gets an injury or a suspension or whatever, I think, you know, it would be very tough on him to to take him out of the out of the team at the moment because he's he's doing so well and he's adapted so quickly and you know it, it's still great for the managers to have those options as well because you know you've got the Europa League games you've got the League Cup games it's not like yeah. Curtis Jones now he's back he's going to struggle for game time um, you know and, and there will always be injuries there'll always be moments in games where someone's got a slight muscle feeling something in the the build up where he can change things so you know it's never going to be nailed on for for an overly extended period but I think you know for the for the game ahead in terms of the next Premier League game. For me, Gravenberg has to be the one who starts it. Yeah, interesting. I think think you're right at the moment. It's very much going to be that the Jones Gravenberg debate or decision. 
we'll see. Yeah, fingers crossed. Like you say, they all stay in great form and then it's rotation and everyone does the business. And the final question we had, which really sort of popped up this morning, it makes sense what a lot of our sort of listeners, subscribers were asking around this. With the week ahead, so we've got Bournemouth away in the Carabao on Wednesday and then we've got Luton away on the Sunday. Now, we shouldn't ever, you know, shouldn't be sort of counting our chickens, but a lot of people will sort of look at the the Luton game as maybe a an easier one, so to speak, and maybe even, you know, a few are saying it, it could be tougher than the Bournemouth. So the question was from a lot of subscribers, David, how do you think we'll sort of line up in the two? Because there was someone was believing that there might even be stronger people in the Bournemouth lineup than there was against Luton for the league on Sunday. How do you see the, the sort of two games interconnected lineup wise? I, I to be honest, I think I think we're going to see more of the same in terms of what Jurgen Klopp has been doing so far this season. It is is putting out a you know I say a weaker side. He's making eight eight six eight changes, eleven changes for this Europa League or League Cup, and and still putting out a side that is you know, pretty good on paper and they keep winning games. So that, that shows and they've been performing well as well. You know, he, he makes eight changes, is it, for Toulouse and they win 5-1 um, against a side who have a lot of threats as well. Um, so t- to me, the way I see it, I, I, I still think he's going to stick with that almost, that Premier League side and, 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 and what's close to a first choice at the moment for the Luton game. But I think, I think we're going to see changes at Bournemouth because... You know, there's some changes you're going to make as well. Like, you know, for example, Curtis Jones will probably come in for the Bournemouth game. That yeah. is not, you're not weakening your side in any way. I think, you know, Endo is, is probably going to come in again. Thought he was phenomenal against Toulouse. Really excited to see him again. Um, you know, you're going to make changes like that. You know, the, the, the front line is probably going to be strong. Gakpo probably needs a start. Doesn't need to get some, some minutes in his legs. You've got yeah. uh, Gomez and, and Matip wait, waiting for minutes in defense. So, Liverpool have just got options at the moment. This, the squad is so strong that I don't. I, 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 I still expect the, the the big changes to come at Bournemouth and then to change back against Luton. I still think that's the way the manager is going to going to play it because I think he's keeping almost two teams on separate rotations at the moment. So I think that's how he's going to keep it going to keep them fit. But uh, you know, I don't think those changes are going to cause Liverpool any problems at Bournemouth. And I think Bournemouth, you've got it. You know, they're struggling at the moment. I think they're going to want to make changes for this because their priority is getting as far away from the relegation zone as possible. So it's not going to be a strong right. Bournemouth side that I wouldn't expect. So, you know, I'd still think Liverpool, even if they make eight, nine, 10, 11 changes for, for that game, they, they, they should still expect to go there to dominate the game and, and hopefully go through. And then that, that will leave your players fit and ready for Luton as well, which will be a, a, a difficult test. It's something they haven't faced. It's something new and, and different. But again, you know, Luton haven't picked up a lot of points this season, so Liverpool should be expecting again to, to go there and, and to do well. Yeah, you'd absolutely hope so with that, especially if you look at the um, the standings in the table and maybe the uh, the lack of points, as we said, that, that Luton have picked up. I mean, I know you you kind of mentioned it as well, and it's probably a good place to, to finish that we'll see in these coming games, are Liverpool top four or, you know, league contenders real have a, a tilt at the title in that regard. I mean, we, we're looking at that league now, David, and I don't know about you, you just, the first thing you kind of notice is almost the gap between Villa to Newcastle, fifth to six. I mean, it's already opened up to to five points. When you're looking at the the top four, because obviously it's difficult to, to know until further down the line the title, are you kind of, is there a point where you're starting to look at that table and go, they're gone from the top four race. Is there a cutoff that you apply on that at all at the moment? 
Uh, I mean, it's early days to do that. And I think Liverpool are a good example of a team that could go on. A, you know, we, in the past, we've seen them go on late runs and sneak into that top four. I mean, they very nearly did it last season. They were kind of unlucky not to to sneak in in the end because they, they put together a really good run of form. But I just think I'm already looking at Chelsea and thinking they're 11 points behind fourth place. Yeah. Liverpool. They, they sh- they're surely out of it. Because even if they get on a little run, that that is a lot of you know that's a big gap to make up, and and also what you're asking then is is not just Chelsea to hit form, but you're asking Liverpool to collapse or City or Arsenal or Tottenham, and at the moment that is just impossible to imagine. You know maybe Tottenham we don't know an awful lot about what's going to happen to them or how they're going to deal with the pressure, but it but it would be a total collapse for eleven points to be to be swallowed up really easily. So. Um, you know, I, I, I discount them from the, the top four race already. And I think Manchester United are very close to it. Um, you know, eight points behind Liverpool already and, yeah. and looking absolutely dreadful. So, you know, in terms of that, I, I think Liverpool are looking very good for the, for the top four at the moment. I think, you know, Villa and, and Newcastle have made decent starts and they're there and thereabouts. But again, you know, Villa, I think, are going to get bitten by Europe. I think the same with Newcastle. They don't have humongous squads to to sort of deal with that when it you know the the regularly playing uh, European football and then coming back to the Premier League so I think that's going to hurt them and Liverpool we know would should have the staying power under this manager so already for top four and that that's the primary aim for this season Liverpool looking really really good aren't they and you know it's almost making you think well you know should the the early target should we be switching almost already to the mindset of let's let's put a title race together um, and, and certainly Liverpool are in a, a run at the moment where they, they should be thinking about that because the fixtures are, are remarkably kind for them at the moment. They've just got to make the most of it. Yeah, it, it does feel that way. Absolutely, especially when you you look at them on paper and the, the league placings, the rankings, as it were, and you, you look all that way. And then there's the big one coming up, isn't there? City at the end of November around that. And then there's a hell of a festive period where a lot, and I mean a lot of the the bigger boys in the table visit Anfield. So we should have fingers crossed, everything going positive as it is at the moment. Just uh, just on that, Dave. Actually, to to just come in on that point, you know, I'm looking at the fixture list now, and it, it it's almost crazy how how good Liverpool. I mean, they had a difficult start, didn't they? Um, but it's almost crazy how diff, uh, how sort of kind looking, and we can always be proven wrong on that. But it, but it looks quite handy the fixture list. I mean, they obviously played Manchester City on the twenty fifth of November, and that is a a really difficult game. But right up until sort of seventeenth of December, when they when they host Manchester United at Anfield, which by the way they won seven nil last season. So I don't know if we're talking yeah. about that as a difficult fixture or not. But right up until then, you know, the highest other team they put, so Man City, obviously the 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 tough team to to face, and that's going to be a difficult game. But up until December seventeenth, the highest team they faced that between uh, now and then is is Brentford in tenth. Uh, wow, and then you know. It's say the, if they can clock up the wins that they will be hoping to in that run, then you've got Manchester United at home, Arsenal at home. Again, you know, Arsenal a tough team, but it's it's at Anfield. That's that's massively in their favour. Burnley away, then Newcastle again at Anfield. So, it, it, you know, you're looking at, could they get to New Year's Day and, and can they be in sort of contention for the title at that point? You know, the, the fixtures should certainly allow them to to put themselves in that sort of stratosphere. And I think... It was a very exciting period ahead because Liverpool have proven that they're very good at beating the the sides lower down the table. They they look ruthless on that front at the moment. So I think I'm looking at these fixtures here and thinking that could be a really exciting period around around Christmas at Anfield, where if they win those games, then you know they really are announcing themselves as as title challengers. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the perfect word, as you said. They do look ruthless. They're just they're racking up the wins and they're starting to to gain the clean sheets at the same time as well. So fingers crossed, everything for Liverpool on the pitch looks absolutely great at the moment. So let's hope that continues. And most importantly, ladies and gents, just to reiterate, fingers crossed for Luis Diaz's parents as ever off the pitch and hopefully it all works out well there. So all it leaves me to say is, as ever, David, thank you very much for your time and insights. Much appreciated. No, thank you for having me. Good stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, that was another Monday Lynch Time. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.